Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Christine Chang, and I'm joined here by Joe Fourier. He is a former NFL player turned wellness entrepreneur. He specializes in facilitating breath work. He is also co-founder of Hello Wellness Retreats, and they do retreats all over the world, helping people get back in tune with themselves, health, wellness, all those things. And he's also an actor. I feel like if someone's from LA, you have to do multiple things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Slash. And, and I'm the unicorn that's actually born and raised here. Oh my gosh, so, LA boy. Yeah, so when I tell people what I do, they're like, oh, you're so LA. I'm like, actually, I'm actually from here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I actually you know, fucked off and went somewhere else for a little bit and for a long time and I came back with a purpose because for so long my identity was associated with the football and finding a you know, new identity and a new thing of you know, what I could share and give back to the world rather than just entertain with my violence and my catching awesome passes. And your dances. My dances. I, I looked up some of those touchdown yeah, dances. My dances. <laughs> I, I was I was dancing. <laughs> you were that guy. Mm-hmm. I went to UCLA too. Bruins, baby. Bruins, we, we talked yeah. about this at the retreat. We yeah. met at, you tell them that we yeah, met yes. at a retreat. Okay, so we met a couple of weeks ago at a retreat, which I like to tell people it was the most LA retreat ever. There was yoga, ice baths, Sound sound bowls with a violin <laughs> with a with a violin, Palo Santo. What oh, else I was, was I was saging everybody. I was like, come here, you get smudged. Everyone getting smudged. <laughs> and what else was there? What else did we do? It, breath, it, we did breath work, breath work, ecstatic dance. Yeah, ecstatic dance. Oh, oh. I, le- I led that too. <laughs> that that was uh, that was fun. And it was. It it's was so funny because it is very LA. I like to laugh about it because it is. I like how you talk about it because you. You can be fun about it, like part-time hippies. It doesn't have to be this serious thing. I feel sometimes when people do spiritual work, I do think it's very important to do. However, sometimes I feel like they can't laugh at themselves. I'm like, it's not that serious. Thank you for saying that. Because, you know, Christine, I hope that people like us can bridge the gap. It's, you know, I've been that person that was a first-timer. I've been that person that went to a retreat and I felt like I was like doing everything wrong because I wasn't on the right cadence. You know, like with my breathwork facilitation, there's freedom. I, I want to be able to convert people, not scare people away because I've been in this work for a few years now. And when I was educating myself and putting myself into the practice and really committing to it, I would learn from various different uh, leaders, facilitators, um, you know, yoga teachers, and shamans. A few of them were incredible and taught me a lot. And I learned through osmosis and action and helping and you know serving. And then there's the people that you know you can just feel their ego. Like this is my way. I'm pushing it on you. I'm projecting it on you because for for reasons unknown, but not reasons for actually acts of service. Like this. This is such a delicate practice. It can be used in nefarious ways. And people have done that, and I've seen that. I've been around it, and I'm, I'm like, after seeing it for so long, I got to a point where I was like, I wouldn't do it that way. Like, I would do it this way. Like, there is a way to balance being yourself and having fun and going out every once in a while and doing the things, having your vices, but also having a balance of revisiting yourself, being still, being mindful, and creating that integration aspect throughout your whole life and people like us we can do it but it's been this like almost stigma where it's you have to be a certain way you have to be om and you have to be zen all the time and you have to have an ego death every day nah like go fuck up be screaming screaming at the top of your lungs when you get a flat tire like that type of stuff is okay and um, I think bridging the gap is super important for actually people to be comfortable to continue and show up and not just go one and done and be like nah that ain't for me yeah, absolutely. I think because I I can be very sensitive when I feel like it is from an ego place or it's um, when something just comes off not authentic. I'm so like repelled by that. Yeah, and same. that's that's why I was drawn to you and Eben. I'm like, you guys are so authentic. You don't have to say like I'm authentic. It's just like you can feel it. You it's better were, if you say it. It's <laughs> you're very authentic. Thank you. Go go to the retreat. <laughs> But you guys are very, uh, you acknowledge people, you're genuinely interested in people, not just people who you think you can network with or benefit from. That's one thing that I 
realized from the, I noticed immediately from the retreat, like you guys are really good at that. And I think the, the acknowledgement, especially because I think I, that's something I would like to work on myself mm. to be better at acknowledging people. Reflection. Because it feels good. Mm-hmm. And you're so good at it. And you're fun too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Where does that come from? Were you like this as a kid? Um, my sense of joy and joyfulness and just happiness to be here and exist, it really largely comes from my mother. Um, she's not with us anymore. She passed away about a year and a half ago, but you know, she implemented just life, like this, this joy for life. Um, for example, coming into my room, instead of having an alarm clock, and this is before phones and digital alarm clocks, like an actual alarm clock. <laughs> and actually, there was digital alarm clocks when I was a kid. But nevertheless, besides an alarm clock, I had my mom with a boom box on her shoulder swing, smash the door open and jump on my bed and play a song and wake me up dancing. Oh, That was, that was my, my mom's way of showing love and I mean, the way she was so kind and gentle to people. She was 5'11", 6 foot, so very tall woman and, you know, single mom, only child. And she, now I know that she was extremely feminine, but to raise a giant boy like I was and to become a man, and <laughs> she always told stories about how I would eat two baby back rib dinners at Chili's with chili queso and chips and salsa and both french fries i would crush them so but with that you know she had to also embody masculinity almost to a point where i look at it now as 33 years old without her here i get to reflect a lot almost to her detriment and you know there wasn't a lot of men that could one be okay with being with a woman that has a child already Mm -hmm. and then also a woman that's six foot that's tapped into her masculine energy Mm -hmm. and um, that could be uh, repelling to a lot of men and people but you know she leaned into her kindness but also at the same time her cup was always emptying out for others and these techniques and modalities that i was only just getting into and learning and educating more sharing it with my mother before she passed but these things were it's hard not to think if these were more readily available Mm -hmm. in our textbooks in our school in our curriculum with her job as a nurse like if these were available, maybe she would still be here. And that's one of those things where I don't like to reflect on that too much and beat myself up about it too much, but it only fuels my fire of sharing this type of these type of experiences with more people. I love it. And when did you start diving into the work? 2019, late 2018, early 2019 is when I finally was like, I face planted rock bottom. I, usually I, when it starts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say face plant because there's a few rock bottoms that you can hit. And, we, and I feel like that creates the most dynamic people that have gotten through certain, you know, trials and tribulations. You know, there is no light without struggle, you know, and, or sorry, there's no uh, growth without struggle or light without darkness. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a glaring example that those type of things could save a life like the breath work, the meditation, the yoga. I, I started activating my creative side of my brain. I was very logical. I was very business oriented. Like the football aspect, the NFL turned into uh, a business and I was a commodity and I was just a, a body that could be easily disposed of. Mm-hmm. So this magic of this football, this sport, this relationship I had with this beautiful sport for so long that taught me so much and gave me so much when... I thought I had so little and I didn't have any brothers and sisters. I'm, I have a really close cousin who I call my sister, but at the end of the day, my brothers were my teammates. I didn't have a father. I had my grandfather, but my coaches were my, were my father figures and I got so much from it. But when it came down to actually moving from New York after leaving a love affair of six years, uh, had no money, sold my car, living with my grandparents. You know, there was a time when I couldn't even afford a Metro card living in New York. So I came back and just, like I said, face plant. I didn't know what to do. And I was still this guy that people looked at me and they're like, oh, why aren't you still playing? You're still young. Like, why don't you do this sport thing? I'm like, oh, because everyone thinks I'm tall. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. No one puts Big Joe in a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I leaned on the 
the spiritual element, 2019, I got introduced to psychedelics. I took mushrooms for the first time and created new neural pathways and neurons, new neurons firing different ways in my brain. And then I leaned into meditation. Like when I had nothing, I put a meditation pad next to my bed, got a hundred days in a row in Headspace. And I'm like, oh, I feel great. This is good. I have clarity. I found a new avenue. But at the same time, I plateaued. I wanted something more tangible more okay. concrete. I'm like, hey, prove it to me. Okay. Like, Show me this good stuff that all these hippies are talking about. I want it. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. So then I started getting introduced to about around 2020, got introduced to like Wim Hof. I've always done cold exposure and it's very trendy now, the ice tubs. <laughs> but like, you know, I was like 14 years old going in an ice bucket and I was like, oh, this, is, this has been around for a while. This is, this is incredible stuff. But paired with breath work with that crazy Dutch guy that climbed the Kilimanjaro in his underwear, Wim Hof, it just introduced me to something more. I got certified to share it, watching like 20 hours of YouTube videos, very rudimentary, easy type of certification. Um, and then I started sharing it with my friends. And I was like, hey, we're doing this, you know, this breathwork thing, come over to my place in West Hollywood. It was during the pandemic. So we had like four or five of us doing breathwork. And it wasn't until my friend Bernardo did a DMT ceremony the night before, okay, this magical miracle molecule. He took it the night before and had a wonderful experience. The next day he comes over for breath work. He tells us about this. I'm like, well, that's cool. But still at this point, I'd done mushrooms, but taboo was ayahuasca. Taboo was bufo. Like taboo was all these things that like were like really transformative journeys, like ceremonial, ceremony journeys. And it wasn't until we shared this breath work space together and created this beautiful masculine vortex of like, just like we're here together breathing on cadence, on rhythm, holding for long periods of time. And it was the first time I had little inklings of DMT and seeing things and whatever and shaking and whatever, tetany and all that stuff. But it wasn't until this moment when I had a full-on DMT experience. What I don't, I don't remember if I was breathing for like maybe six, seven minutes. My body was shaking. I was seeing colors. I was making noises. And I'm like, I surrendered to it because I had been practicing and doing Wim Hof for like every day for like two, three months in a row. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until this point where I was like, oh, that's DMT. I want to see it again. Oh, wait. So this is purely off breath work. Pur- purely off of breath work. The only reason why I'm comfortable talking about psychedelics, because it's also a very tricky thing and a fine line to, to walk as well, because some people rely on this, mm-hmm. on, these, on these type of things. And it's good to have the integration aspect, which is when you do do the spring cleaning, this mm-hmm. five years of therapy in five minutes. Yeah. When you do these things, you have to use them and like carry them throughout your day li- thereafter. And then with this breath work, with just my breath, with the residuals of his experience, the supernatural energy that was surrounding him that he took was surging through me. And then, yeah, and then it got me super comfortable with the possibility to then dive in deeper with these medicines. I'm curious about them because I don't have much experience with them at all. I've done a little bit of mushrooms. I think I'm a control freak. So that's why it scares me, which yeah. is probably also why it yeah. could be good for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very logical. I'm very heady. And even when I was doing the breath work at your retreat, the first thing you said was like safety. It's important to have a safe space. It's always and, my intention. Which is great. However, I, I felt myself um, starting to lose control and I actually pulled it back. Mm. So, so I actually, I would like to do it more to see what would the full expression be? I don't know. Um, but I, I like your approach. I like, I, I'm open to all things, you know, but I think I have heard some people do ayahuasca over a hundred times. And sometimes my, my initial thought is that's a lot of times. It seems like wouldn't you at some point integrate it and, you know, yeah. instead of almost, almost it sounds like, like an escape, like I have to go back for more and more and more. Yeah. And so what's, um, relying healthy, upon healthy, it too much. Yeah. So what's a healthy balance. And I think for me, I don't like to rely on anything. I think everything's tools to open up but, tools, but yeah, I think the integration, um, Evan talks about it too, about, yeah, it's really easy when you're, you know, to have the high when you're on a retreat and you're surrounded with, you know, similar energy and those people. But day to day, when you're sitting in traffic and all the things, how are you showing up? It comes with the very fun word practice and living it. 
Mm-hmm. I remember a time only a couple of, only about a year ago where I wasn't so comfortable talking about this stuff. I didn't want to disrespect it and I didn't want someone to not convert because of my speech. Mm. So delicate. And when it came time to actually, oh, I've been practicing. Oh, I know these words. Oh, I read this book. Oh, I saw that TED talk. Like I know the words and I'm, I'm not full of, you know, nuggets and bumper stickers like the Hubermans and the Abby Marcuses, but I'm gaining those to mm-hmm. the point because I have things that I fall back on. It's very, like I said, it's very delicate because you mustn't rely upon it. However, it is a f- an avenue to go down to really heal and maybe plunge some of the stagnant energy that's really stuck. But all of that's possible on your own supply. But the thing is, there's a special word in the thing that we that I facilitate, and it's called work. And some people aren't so keen on that. <laughs> it's a little easier to then just smoke something or drink something and then dive in, mm-hmm. right? But the work element deters a lot of people. Uh, am I doing it right? Is am I on rhythm? Oh, I'm not getting enough. Oh, this person's having a certain reaction. They're crying or screaming, but I can't do that. Why can't I have that? And then you start reaching for it. And as soon as you start reaching for it, just like in a a weird dream or a nightmare or something like that, when you start reaching for that thing, it always seems to get further away. Mm. So I don't know if you remember the the special words that I used during our breathwork facilitation. Please remind me. Um, It was uh, allow. Oh, ass. Yeah, that's right. Ass. (laughs) I remember that part. (laughs) Yeah, see? Exactly. It's helpful. That's why my approach is different because, you know, in these times when you're, you know, going through the the discomfort and you're pushing yourself and you're working through this breath, through this vital energy life force, you you can get lost for a second. So special buzzwords, allow, accept, surrender, ass. (laughs) <laughs> AAS. <laughs> it's it's my it's it's one of those things that helped me because so many times these reactions to breath work or the discomfort or something is unearthed that I've been buried for so long. If I don't allow myself to feel those things and mm-hmm. accept the thing coming to me, I won't be able to surrender to it, and then I won't have the actual healing part aspect of it. You know, actually happen. So. AAS is uh, words to live by, and especially in these techniques and modalities. It sounds like you had a little, a little uh, a battle with, with some part of that, one, either the A, the A, or the S. Oh, for sure. Actually, all of them. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just getting out of my head takes a minute. Even when I take yeah. yoga classes and stuff, yeah. to drop in, it could take me like the f- a full hour, full hour to just start to get in. Um, but that's something I want to work on more. Um, well, you're, it, you're aware of it, so that's the first step. I feel like I'm a very self-aware person. I I just know I'm in my head more these days, it, which is beneficial for some things like business and stuff. You know, I, yeah. things that, life is more simple, but I do notice I'm, I'm pretty judgy. But sometimes, <laughs> like, with personality stuff, like, it's, it's like, funny, too, you know? <laughs> like, I want to be judgy right now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love people watching and making up stories about them. It's <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. This is how I describe it to people to get a little more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I use a lot of I use a lot of metaphors. I, I consider myself mildly relatable. Besides, you know, for the most part, I've been everyone's height. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh-huh. <laughs> Big Joe is six eight. Yeah. So at some point. I've been your hype before. <laughs> no, I've, maybe I was 12, but I've been your hype before. So I, there's a relatability aspect. I describe this whole experience and these modalities, these techniques, whether it be yoga, breath work, um, you know, the psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I think our, I, I describe our mind as a vinyl record. Okay. And for all you Gen Zs, a vinyl record is that big black thing that plays music, okay? <laughs> the round thing. And it has these grooves, right, that create those sound waves, sound waves when the pin goes over it, right? So with these techniques that I mentioned earlier, all these modalities, right, there's this imbalance that our environment creates. It's just it, we're living in L.A. and having jobs and business and responsibilities. We have a sensation where, like, those stressors affect us. So we usually resort to our default mode network or this a song that plays over 
mm-hmm. and over and over again, right? So I consider those grooves neural pathways, little bumps in the road that then help you remember things or what you're used to or just the conditioning over time, right? The song's playing over and over again. With the ninos, the mushrooms, or any sort of psychedelic ceremony, breath work especially, yoga. I mean, I've done yoga and I've just bawled crying. Mm-hmm. You know, my hips are released and I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like really letting it loose. Well, that these type of things, they smooth out the vinyl record. So then you have the ability to create new grooves and to create a new song. And that's my way of explaining it because I love music so much and something about a vinyl record just hits different. And um, I I don't like listening to the same song over and over again. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm listening on repeat, I'm gonna burn it out. So I think with these things that could be visited with micro dosing or just a daily practice, you're creating a new song every day, every hour, depending on how much you practice. Or if you only do it once a week, making a new vinyl record and creating new neural pathways will then get you out of a rut, will get get you out of something that feels stuck, or will just give you more peace and clarity of mind to then better, better adapt to your environment. Or then let's go even deeper and say, create your own. Because all of this stuff, you know, you have the ability, it's not just because your face is on the screen, you have the ability to dictate your environment because of your light. Mm -hmm. And there's a responsibility element to that. We're here together because it's been polished over years and we want to share that with people to show that there is a better way. Not pressing upon people. I'm so careful. I've been to breathwork sessions and different types of uh, classes where the facilitator, not not on, on purpose, will say, I want you to do this. Or you should do this. They say certain trigger words. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just invite me to do it. Just suggest that I do it. I'm so big on like blazing your own trail. Like there are people that have practiced for like years and years that go come to my breathwork sessions because it's a little different. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, stick with us in the beginning and then eventually blaze your own trail because you can find your own rhythm. You're, you're, you're operating at a different frequency than everybody. Like go go travel, go do your thing. And um, that's why it's it's difficult a little bit. There's a sense of like responsibility to be able to, you know, address the crowd. If you have a big group like we had, 30 plus people, to talk to the first timer, but also talk to the practitioner and be able to find that gap. There's so often I've seen facilitators only talk to one group. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. You're right. Vinyl records, baby. <laughs> Can we shift gears? Can we talk about dating and relationships? Hell yeah. So fun. It's so fun. Because our life is our relationships. I think everyone values relationships, whether they admit it or not. Right. Yeah. We have a relationship. Jeff and I now have a relationship. Producer Jeff, thank you. You don't? No, I'm single. No, you and I have a relationship. (laughs) After we shook hands and you locked eyes. That's right. right. You better not hold it too long. I'm going to come over there. So the majority of my listeners are women. For fun, how old are you? 33. And you're 6'8"? Yes. And (laughs) what's your sign? Capricorn. Are you currently in a relationship? Yes, with myself. Oh, with your... Oh, okay. That's Mm. nice. Are you... (laughs) Are Uh, you... Do you have a special somebody uh, that you're spending time with? Yeah. I... um, I had one in particular recently that okay. lasted about a year. Okay. Um, she was French. She was DJ, but we lived in different places. Far. And yes, we saw each other from time to time for good chunks of time over the year. But then it got to a point where it was something that I thought I could practice, mm-hmm. but it got to a point where it wasn't something I wanted to practice anymore. Okay. And being in relationship, you mean, or more the- being in one, it was an open relationship. Okay. It was my first time doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and it was beautiful. Like we, we had wonderful experiences because of that open openness and also kind of telling her, Hey, like in the beginning, this is going well, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there and I'm going to keep doing this. I'm at a point in my life where I've practiced commitment and lived with someone for three years 
and been through that and even had a girlfriend during COVID mm. and uh, played house that whole time because we were stuck. Nothing <laughs> um, <laughs> else to do. <laughs> right. And I'm at a point where I have, so, I have such unwavering confidence in what I'm going through right now mm-hmm. in my career path and my journey that unfortunately I'm at a point where I'd like to practice a little more convenience in my companionship where I want to see them every so often, but on my terms. It's it's I'm practicing selfish right now and it's because i'm being selfish which is then allows me to be thereafter selfless i have to put my mask on before i put someone else's mask on if you want to take the airplane uh disaster analogy analogy, you know (laughs) put your oxygen mask on before you put your own and it might sound player-esque it might sound uh that it oh all men are like this and they just want convenience but the truth is i've practiced the other And right now during this time, I'm trying to be very mindful and open and communicative, which I haven't in the past. Ah. My 20s was all about deny, deny, deny. And it was to my detriment to the point where I believed my own lies. Okay. And now I'm overwhelmingly honest. Okay. Where this is what I want. This is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. If you want to spend time with me while I'm in LA, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, and the women that I've I've had relationships with in the last you know few months, it's very, very infrequent. However, very beautiful and abundant because I lay out this certain foundation in the beginning. It's not like hey, get on or get off. It's like if you want the best me, you'll let me be me, and then whatever comes after that, we allow it. Um, but I'm going to Bali in a, in a month. You know, I'm not here the whole time. This is my transient life, nomadic life, and I'm not going to change it for anybody right now. And I've I've sacrificed before, and I've, like my mother in the beginning, like I've been in relationships where my cup was just emptying for this other person, and I wasn't filling my own. So I got to make sure my cup is full before I share it with someone. And uh, I don't like uh, it's. It's. I love that we're talking about relationships because I don't do it often in the public eye. But you know, I have such a good relationship with now, with it now because I never really liked the whole "Are you single?" thing because then it, it kind of points to that you're looking for somebody, and I'm not. But I'm welcome to it. And it's funny people ask me like, "I've been single for a while," you know, and people ask me, "Are you single?" I'm like, "No." They're like, "Are you in a relationship?" I'm like, "No." Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be put in any of your boxes. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it's complicated. I'm not going to say it's Facebook official or anything <laughs> like that. I'm going to say I'm living my life and the people that I have co- relationships with, they could be a super hot French female. They could be an old dude, billionaire guy, or a homeless guy in the street, the person that's serving me um, fast food in and out. It could be uh, a young girl, a uh, you know, that wants to be a cheerleader at UCLA talking to me at the basketball game. There could be a young man that DMs me from high school. All these connections that I make, I don't care if you're in a relationship or you're married or you're a child or you're old or young or what color or shape or size you are, we're going to connect. And that just, that, that opening heart, though kind, kind of dangerous, you know, but if you polish and you're aware and you're mindful of who you're sharing the energy with, Mm-hmm. You have the ability to have to create magic. And because it, I'm so careful and mindful of whether if it's an interaction for five seconds mm-hmm. or five hours or five whatever, you're going to remember me and I'm going to remember your name and I'm, you're going to get all of me. That's why he, my friends and close ones and business partners hate that I don't text, don't email, don't WhatsApp, don't, I'll, I'll FaceTime you. And we'll get the, you know, maybe a five hour text conversation done in five minutes on the phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll do that. But when, you with, when you're with me, mm-hmm. you get all of me. And I say no one's safe, but <laughs> like everyone's safe because they're going to get a piece. They're going to get a good dose of me. And that's my way of showing love in the most, that's my way of practicing love. Whether it be an animal or a tree or a sunset or someone that doesn't speak my language, you're going to know that like, I love you. And because everything I do is rooted in love. My intention and and New Year's resolution was to commit to being a healer and to always speak from a place of love. And, you know, my batting a thousand? No. (laughs) But it's a hell of a way to start. These little cheat codes that I use in my life, whether it be speak from a place of love 
or does this decision or person or relationship disrupt or increase my peace? And every day is the best day ever. That's a very fulfilling life. And I think I do think that it's, yes, the single or relationship question, it's very simplified and a very traditional conversation to have. But I think ultimately what everyone look, is looking for is connection and that fulfillment, which right? is what you're doing. But, you know, there's people that's, that you ask if you're in a relationship or something like that where it comes up, it's the first question, but you automatically are putting that person down a certain in a certain box without the, and then closing other boxes and other doors. You're opening that door, but closing the other ones. So there's people that are like, as soon as you meet them, I have a boyfriend. I'm like, bitch, I don't care. I didn't ask. I didn't ask. We're just talking. We're just like, you're at a bar. I'm at a bar. I'm like, I'm not hitting on you. I'm just like talking. Like I remember there was times and I can understand in that scenario that like when I used to go to a bar in my twenties, I'm like looking, looking. <laughs> Who wants it? <laughs> Big Joe's here. <laughs> but now it's like, I'm here to dance. I might have a drink or two. Mm -hmm. I'm here to look at my friends and smile and laugh. And if you want to tap me on the shoulder and join in, go ahead. And I might even approach you too, but it'll be friendly. It'll be the, per the person that I'm not romantically or sexually attracted to right away. Or might be someone that will be. And like I said, it doesn't matter if it's hetero, homo, sapio i don't know all the all the o's <laughs> right i mean if you close any of those doors you just limit yourself to a true connection and i've had i've had some just connections that were just one-time things not one night stands but one-time connections where it's like people are making eye contact with me and like there's no there's no one around and they'll be like thank you and i'm like why they're like thank you for listening i'm like yeah no big deal Thank you for listening to me too. You know? <laughs> you know? I have a question. So you said you were, now you're brutally honest in the yeah. beginning in case the other party's looking for something different. So with some of these women, when you tell them like, listen, this is what I'm into right now. I'm traveling and this is what's up. Yeah. Do some of them say, okay, but you can tell they're hoping that things will change. And if so, what do you do in that instance? <laughs> God, um, yeah, it, it has, it has happened. Um, but if you approach it with grace and kindness and, and love, hopefully the, the true message can be shared. Um, but you also respect their feelings as well. Um, and then you make a mature decision, adult decision, decision, and see if it's something to continue. Mm -hmm. Um, Am I going through something similar like that right now? Maybe, <laughs> but uh, it's a developing story. Um, and like I said, it should be, it's delicate and should be handled with, with care. Every conversation, there's no certain rule book mm -hmm. for, you know, putting, yeah. letting people down for dummies. Like they don't have that, <laughs> but um, there is a graceful way to approach it and be like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, this is coming from a place of love. Um, I am feeling the same things you're feeling, but I... I have boundaries mm -hmm. and these boundaries have been put in place over a significant amount of time and a significant amount of experiences and relationships. Not to say I've been burned a few times, burned a bunch of times, but I'm going to protect my heart. And I told you, I, I've communicated with you in the beginning. We will share love, unbounding love, though there's a delicate thing about you know, having women fall in love with you and this trickster energy mm -hmm. that I've practiced a lot in my 20s where you make these women fall in love. I was raised by women, my mom and my grandmother, very tapped into the feminine energy. And I used that for a long time. And I use it now, but for better, better things. <laughs> but you, you, go to, you get to a point where it's like, uh, I mean, you say, <laughs> let, let, let's say I, I want to, I want to say this the right way. What, what, how, how would you say it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, so from a, from the point of view of a woman who's been on the receiving end of it, where I was hopeful that the guy would change. 
I think it, it happened when I was younger because I just didn't know better. It's I think a lot of women can fall into that, like, oh, he'll he'll change. Where men are actually better at choosing, like when they're ready for a relationship, they're smarter about like, oh, this is the woman that I'm going to marry. Like I'm choosing this where women tend to be like, I think I could change him, you know? Yeah. And I did that one too many times where eventually you, you learn when you learn. I'm like, okay, no, like you need to accept the person for where they're at right now and listen to what he is telling you. Yeah. If he's not verbally saying it, he's showing it with his actions. So yeah. I got, um, a lot of good practice <laughs> dating emotionally unavailable men or men who just didn't want to be in a relationship, but I was hoping it would change. Uh, it just felt familiar to me that chase and I had to do my own work of like, why does this feel familiar to me? And I yeah. learned to choose better and choose differently. So um, I wonder if you think that what I'm describing makes me emotionally unavailable. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying you're no, not, no, no. you're not, okay. you are not emotionally available. Cause I, I wonder that myself sometimes too, oh. because I, cause I paint this picture and I, I relay this message, and I'm like, wait, am I? I, d I was going to ask, though, because you said protecting your heart. And when we were at the retreat, you had you were wearing something. It was like a, a toad thing. Are you still wearing it? Uh, it's not this one. It's a, I have a couple. A, They're just heart protectors. Heart protectors. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious, uh, what do you want to protect your heart from? Um, the, for a fundamental thing, actually, this is going back to the thing I forgot to say earlier, was protecting my heart from the empathy I feel for a woman falling in love with, with me or the idea of me and me not necessarily prepared to catch. Okay. So I think Bob Marley has a beautiful quote about having, you know, making women or having women fall in love with you with no intention of catching them. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember reading that years ago and it really stuck with me, but I was still in the thick of it of that trickster energy. Now it resonates with me in a deeper level where I'm careful with that. Mm -hmm. Like I lay it out to the point where like, hey, you fall in love. I mean, it might happen to me too, but then I'm gonna go to Bali for three months. And after that, I'll probably be in Europe for a month. And you might say, hey, I'll meet you here. Or I'll go travel with you. But I'm like, it, it you know, it, it's like, it's, I don't, it's not my responsibility. Like I just, it's just such a tricky thing. And I want to be delicate with it. And I do consider myself emotionally available because my emotions are on my sleeve. Mm -hmm. And they're ready to be, I'm ready to change them. I'm ready to accept them. I'm ready to, for them to flow through me. And if it's love, let it flow through me. But the thing is through right now, mm -hmm. there's an in and then there's an out. Mm -hmm. If it's anger, I will feel it, accept it, allow it and surrender to it. And then I'll let it go. Love with a woman, I'll accept it. And right now, the one the thing I'm practicing is not letting anything stick. I'm let it flow through me. Uh. So this flow state that it's it's beyond just letting things go and not making plans and you know just being on hippie time or island time. It's like literally accepting all these crazy things that make us human, which is the emotions, mm -hmm. and letting them flow through you. And sometimes love and these things can get stuck. Mm -hmm. We talk about you know being depressed or being angry or being anxious. The same thing can happen with, with, with joy and love. And sometimes they could serve you. Like joy is stuck in me all the time and I love it. But there's sometimes when I can't be all happy and shit because it's a serious topic. <laughs> you know? But I like to in, you know, invoke a little humor here and there. But that's not always the right time. So, it's always know, the right time here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here I could just let joy just come out of me. But you know, there are times when emotions come through you that get stuck and that could be love. Mm -hmm. And um, because someone else or the other party isn't as well versed as recognizing this love and addressing it and aware of it, aware of it and being and sitting with it versus like, Oh, this is love. I haven't felt this in a, in a year and a half. Oh my God. I want to be with this man for the rest of my life. Like that's not my responsibility. Right. You're right. It's you know? not, but we all have our own experiences and our own conditions. Yeah. To, and then we converge at some point when they're 26 and I'm 33 or they're 28 and I'm 33. And like, this is a different part of our lives mm -hmm. and we all mature at different times yep. and we yep. all have so many different experiences that, you know, give us identity that we identify with. So all that is just this fun dance. Mm -hmm. Talk about dancing. Mm -hmm. uh, this conversation <laughs> is a dance. Making love, kissing is their dances. And also the, the ability to communicate. It's not a game. It's a dance, a give and take. Mm -hmm. And um, 
also there's there's this element of talking about giving the cup and letting it overflow and sharing it but also filling your own the give and take aspect giving receiving giving receiving but it's not a measuring cup but it should be a flow where it's like it should just be easy and right now i'm not in the place to really hunker down and work for my love because that's what a lot of it relationships take that work and my energy right now i believe after my experiences is better suited elsewhere that work element that like hunker down and get your mm -hmm. bootstraps and get your hands dirty i don't want to do that for love right now mm -hmm. which is completely yeah. okay yeah which is completely okay i i just love that today it's um it's just less common that there's there's not one way to do everything and to live a fulfilling life and also the good and bad that people can tend to label things or like, and I'm guilty of it. I used to judge some guys. Okay, to be honest, sometimes I still do. Okay. But like the ones that would be like George Clooney, like I used to judge him like, gosh, perpetually single, but he was always honest with who he was and he got married when he wanted to get married. What? There's nothing wrong with that it goes against the norm though and these people that can operate in a certain stratosphere like a let's say a, let's talk about a high level george clooney or a little lower level uh, six foot eight big joe <laughs> like there's a certain realm where like not saying like oh stick to your lane stick in your lane or stick to your level or stick in your 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 economic group or something like that um it's more so like every individual has a unique experience and they, they should be able to choose the way they practice love. Absolutely. Freedom. This, I think right. you, I'm going to yeah. guess that one of your core values is freedom. Uh, now it is. Okay. <laughs> it's one of mine as well. Yeah. Well, the way you teach as well of like, you know, I'm just going to share this and you do you. Yes. I, I, I do believe that freedom is a big thing because I, one of my main things that I want is freedom, financial freedom, freedom to love, um, you know, all that, like freedom to travel, freedom to express myself, freedom. The freedom is an aspect for a lot of different uh, factors in my life. And yeah, even freedom with how I teach. I express, hey, I am your guide. I am your your teacher. I am your, not like a coach. I am your facilitator. But um, I mentioned in, in our retreat, uh, I'm not a dictator. I'm not like telling you to do it this way. And with a lot of techniques that, um, that are out there, you have to do it a certain way. You're doing your, this breath for 30 times and you're holding for this long and you know, you're on this the right cadence. And if you fall off, like you better get back on. And like, it just, it wasn't welcoming. So the freedom to like, you know, let it rip, like I say, mm -hmm. and, uh, have your own experience. I've been in too many classes where people are like looking to the side and being like, Oh, am I doing it right? I'm like, yeah, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. You're doing, this is your breath. I always describe the breathwork element as something that's super, that's, you know, posed as uh, involuntary because it takes 10,000 hours to master something, right? I don't know the specific date, but I think you hit 10,000 hours at a very young age, right? <laughs> so you're already a master at a very young age of breathing, but it's defined as involuntary. And with breathwork, you basically take the Tesla autopilot off and you put your hands on the wheel. And then you get to a point where like, oh, I can, I'm good at this. And so having a freedom of like testing it out and like when I was doing it in my personal practice, I would just try, I would try every YouTube video, every app, and I was just gonna try a bunch of them. So I created this dynamic type of breath work experience where I wasn't doing just one thing for one hour or for however long, I'd mix it up and I'm like, whoa, this is fun. So I think the best, the best stories and storytellers are dynamic. I think um, the best people are dynamic. And even then, I think the best breath work is dynamic. So what's the biggest takeaway that people can get from doing breath work? It's magic. Breath work is magic, but it's work. So... If you want to see a miracle, probably get got to put your bootstraps on and get your heel, get your hands dirty. Uh, it, I'd say this lightly. I say this gracefully and gently, and um, with kindness. And 
I'm careful how I say it, but breathwork changed my life. And I'm comfortable now saying this because too many people now, up until this point, clients or guests of mine at retreats or people that I've done one-on-ones with, after one session or two sessions, they're like, this changed my life. And it really is a trigger word for a lot of people because so many people want to change theirs. So when they hear that, most often, the depending on the person, the reaction is not so favorable. It makes people's ears perk in a weird way, life-changing. What, what's some of the responses that you get from people that might be skeptical? Well, I tell them what it is. I tell them it's, hey, it's breath work. And they're like, oh, so it's just Simon says for breath. And I'm like, ah, no, it's more than that. And I wish I could show you. But right now at Thursday at 8 o'clock at night at this dinner party, I probably can't. And I could, t- I could invite you to the class that I teach, but you probably won't come because this life-changing aspect, which you so dearly want, being simplified as, you got to breathe, bro. Like, <laughs> people don't like that because they have this sensation or this stigma that life-changing events come with something drastic, mm. come with a huge event like a death or a grief or a job uh, promotion or something like that or moving across the world. But it's as simple as sitting on your mat and being with yourself for a few minutes out of the day. And that could change your life and create a new vinyl record. So it's scary, basically. Scary shit. Like, I've been through breathwork sessions and I'm like, what is going on? This is terrifying. What are some of the, you mentioned a little bit, like the the T-Rex arms and DMT experience. So what are some things that people can look out for? Like what can possibly so happen? So if you're not, if you're not, tra- if you're not being guided um, by the most awesome facilitator in the world, uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, if you're, if you're by yourself and you're doing a YouTube video with breath work, or if you're <clears throat> doing a, an app for breath work, breath work is actually with no zero, with no O, it's a great app. Still life is a great app. Insight timer, great app, headspace, great app. And then YouTube videos. If you search breathwork, there's thousands of videos. I'm going to use them myself. And then I've also stolen stuff from there. I'm like, ooh, that's new. I'm going to take it. Like, that's mine now. <laughs> Everyone does that. Right, I mean, right. Yeah, right. Is there that's any original learn. ideas? Right. <laughs> but um, so if Got you're not it. being guided by a, a good facilitator, you could have a few different things that arise. This awesome Australian shaman named Sean taught me this in, um, in Asia. It's called, he calls it the T's. Okay, so you have temperature. The Tumo breath work we did before you tapped out, <laughs> I'm sure you got a little hot. Yes. You, the inner fire. Tumo literally, literally translates to inner heat or inner fire. It's what the Tibetan monks used in the Himalayas. You know, their orange robes weren't so thick. So to keep warm, they did these techniques to, to uh, warm their bodies and uh, create a sense of peace in the cold weather. So there's the Tumo breath work. You can change your temperature, but you can also feel cold. You can also feel cold as well. You can feel tension. You know, your physical body can feel resistance to the healing a little bit, and you can feel this tension, you know, until you surrender to it. Even if you do surrender, you can still feel this tension. There's tingles. So that's three T's right now. Temperature, tension, tingles. You could see... (laughs) Technicolors, <laughs> that's a T. <tea. laughs> um, you could also have this thing called tetany um, when your hands like go like dip a little bit. Like T, yeah, like T-Rex. T-Rex arms, which is also a T. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, which deters some people and makes skeptics um, butts pucker, is tears. Mm. You can have tears come up and that could be anything from tears from grief suffering and sadness but also tears of elation and joy and uh and happiness so that's kind of how i lay the groundwork for people when they're first starting out or even practitioners and it's funny seeing people be like you know they read the warning label like the warning label has all these t's but it's not gonna happen to me and then it happens to them and the quicker you accept it allow it and surrender to it, you'll have the healing um, process that you so desperately need. What's the science behind the breath work that, that all these reactions can happen? Well, there's a great book by James Nestor called Breathe. 
Okay. He talks about this stuff. He preaches how important it is to breathe through the nose and nasal breathing, which I'm doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> but in order to activate, um, in order to draw in more breath and for more potential for healing, the ability to breathe in through your mouth, with, especially with intention, creates a more tangible response. Um, you could still activate and breathe in with these techniques through your nose, in the nose, out the nose, or in the nose, out the mouth. But in the, no, in the mouth, out the mouth, exhale with purpose. You're basically over-oxygenating your blood system okay. to then have a reaction. Basically, you're getting high off your own supply. And this has been around for thousands of years. Like there's ancient hieroglyphs about this in the e Egyptian pyramids. They had something tapped into psychedelic breathwork. And who knows, maybe they had some fungi lying around. So they mm -hmm. also took mushrooms or something like that. But this has been around for thousands of years, like, you know, before Jesus Christ. And who knows? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure for that 40 days and 40 nights he was fasting. I'm sure Jesus Christ was doing breath work. I'm sure he was meditating. You know, he was fasting and stuff like that. How do you live that long, 40 days and 40 nights, without, without food or water? Because he was breathing and meditating off vital energy force, that pranayama. Jesus knew what it was because he, he, uh, he invented it. You know, God invented it, the universe, whether it's Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, you know, Muhammad, any of these things. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a group of Catholic. I went to Catholic kindergarten, grade school all boys Catholic high school. I even went before UCLA, I went to the University of Notre Dame, a Catholic university. So I, I know all this stuff, the Bible in and out and all the rules and the sacraments. I know all of it, I'm confirmed, I get it. <laughs> but then there became an element during my struggle in face planting rock bottom of unlearning these things and reevaluating and seeing it from a different perspective and a different light. And I realized after educating myself with different religions and experiencing different cultures and traveling and seeing the happiness and the, the offerings and prayer and call to prayer and all these things, I'm like, it's just the same stuff at their root, rooted in, if it's rooted in love, you know, it's all the same stuff. You get the same, you get the pillars from Muslim, Hinduism, Catholicism, Judaism, you know, all the isms. If you get all the pillars of them, prayer, hashtag meditation too, okay? You have being grateful, you know, showing gratitude, being kind to people, treat your neighbor like you'd like yourself to be treated. And then, you know, offerings, gifts to a higher power and, and, that there's a couple other things that are pillars that have so many similarities. And I, I, I try to find the parallels with each one because, because I believe in this guy that died on the cross or well, you say, I, I believe he did. Um, and does that cheapen or lessen the belief system of someone across the world in China or Indonesia or Europe or Norway or South Africa, any of these places, does it cheapen what they believe? No, they're similarities. And let's bond over those. Let's not say, oh, this is how what you believe. I remember actually a, a gentleman that was at our retreat. He had a wonderful breathwork experience. But I played this song. And uh, maybe I should have done a little more research. But at the very end of the song, the, one of the lyrics was, Jesus, are you listening? And I've been mentioning God and Jesus in the universe a little bit, only because of my own experience. Though I don't really consider myself a Catholic anymore part-time hippie. Um, <laughs> but he he had a practice of Judaism his whole life. Okay. And when he said he heard the word Jesus, his ears perked and it took him out of his experience. It took him, that song, that line took him out of his experience. And I remember talking to him after and I reflected a little bit and I'm like, why is someone's name removing you from your ability to heal? Mm. And why don't you see that name as all-encompassing um it's been it's, it's it's his conditioning he didn't believe that the son of god came that's fine i don't give a shit mm -hmm. i kind of don't believe it sometimes too mm -hmm. but that name that word isn't any sort of indication of like oh if if i hear that it takes me out of my belief and out of my healing no 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 associate it with d all of the above not just one answer there's multiple answers in the universe there's no sort sort of like one way. Everyone has their different way to associate themselves with their belief system and their religious beliefs. And if I hear God or Muhammad or anything like that, I'm praying, I'm meditating, I'm being still. And I'm, you know, I, I'm one of those people that 
this might be a tricky type of subject, but I'm one of those people that believes I am God. I believe Christine is God. I believe Jeff is. You know, I know we're coming up on our last minutes, but I know Rufio <laughs> is God as well. My dog, the plants, the air I breathe. Um, I see God in everything. And I also see my mom in everything. And it's because of that belief that I have a, a precondition for contentment and joy. And it's because of that that I, I embody it and I try to show people a better way. I don't think, I don't like giving advice. I just share my experiences. I think the best advice is to never listen to anyone's advice. <laughs> but in the, at the end of the day, you make your own decisions and you know, I'm here to help you find parallels in my own experiences. I'm never going to say you should or I want you to. I'm not doing that. I've done it before. I'm not doing that. I've had it done to me. And I'll be, I'll tell people in the mid, middle of their sentence, like you should, or like I, whatever. I'm like, I don't want your advice. I just want your experience and I want you to listen. Mm -hmm. So traveling the world and over the last few years, I've gotten to a point where I realized listening is probably the most valuable, which by the way, you're an amazing listener, oh, an amazing interviewer or conversationalist <laughs> as you will. Um, it's very easy to be here with you talking about this, but it's one of those things where listening is probably the most valuable thing I've learned. And um, you can't listen. Your eyes, your eyes close when your mouth is moving. Yeah, it's so true. Oh, so much wisdom. And I completely agree. If one is lucky enough to travel the world and go to countries that are different from where you live, you realize that your way is not the only way to do something. Mm. And also exactly what you said. Everyone's human. You can connect. We're all the same. But at the same time, it's just people just do things differently. There's no right or wrong. And that's uh, with travel. It's um, my mom took us traveling a lot since we were kids. And it's just been such a gift. I feel really lucky that I've um, been able to have that experience. And to wrap it up, unfortunately, we're running out of time here. But you will be taking off to Asia soon. Yeah. Your retreat is in Bali. Yes. Can you just speak a little bit about your Hello Wellness retreat? Hello Wellness retreat. You got a, you got a good taste of it at Eb and I's retreat, mm -hmm. where, which, by the way, I'm just super grateful to walk side by side to a man like that yes whoa yeah like i'm over here <laughs> looking amazing. up he's i'm taller than him but i still look up to him it's his name <laughs> if you guys aren't familiar his name's eben Britton, and he's also a former nfl player and i would say just a very good example of a modern conscious man yeah and easy to look up to him and um but uh very similar to what you experienced with my part of the retreat which was the breathwork element. Even then, even Eb's part is very similar to what we do. We have a whole week in Bali, and it's May 15th, and we do all the pillars of a balanced life. We don't scare you away by doing one, too much of one thing. It's not a yoga teacher training. It's mm -hmm. not a Vipassana. It's not a silent retreat. It's, you know, we're not going to scare you away with too much hippy-dippy woo-woo <laughs> stuff. We're going to introduce you. That's why it's all called hello. You're saying hello to all these things. Yeah. I always start my class, my breathwork class, by saying hello to the breath, shaking hands, giving a hug, welcoming them in, like, oh, like control of the breath. Welcome. Hello. Bonjour. Hola. <laughs> um but Hello Wellness Retreats is going to be in Bali May 15th, and we do a whole week of yoga, so, um, most days, breath work pretty much every day, or meditations pretty much every day. Uh, we do fitness a couple of times uh, while we're there, too. Um, welcome for everybody, all ages. Last retreat, we had a 22-year-old, and the oldest we had was a 52-year-old. So we're like in, the, in that realm where like everyone's, it's not niche yet, where we're going to do some male retreats, female retreats, yada, yada. We do break up and talk about masculine and feminine, but... At the end, we come to it because I don't like breaking people up. I don't like dividing. I don't like putting people in boxes. <laughs> so we come back and we do spiritual workshops, mindfulness workshops. We have experiences, dinners. We have time to go see Bali and go those things. So we really maximize our time. And it's people that really care and are servant leaders and know that leadership is plural. Even though I'm the one shepherding people and hosting and also leading breath work. I do know that there's a sense of empowerment to other individuals, not only my group leaders, but also the clients. Like, I don't know if you noticed during the ice tubs, mm -hmm. uh, the heal and flow retreat, mm -hmm. I was helping and facilitating, yes. holding, holding Veronica's hand mm -hmm. and being there as support and making jokes and people like, you know, not <laughs> thinking about how cold the fucking water was to actually, uh, you know, really be into it. So got to a point where, I was facilitating and then seeing other people facilitate for the other guests, like your neighbor. 
I remember one time I looked at Paul when uh, I think Mark or something was having a tough time with the ice tub. I'm like, and I almost didn't have to say it. He knew right away. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of community that you want to create and empower others, not to be, just be the one, the one rock. We can all be rocks for each other, especially after you've already done the ice tub and you know what it's like mm-hmm. and you just experienced it. So if you have any sense of wanting to go to Asia or Bali or never been or want to go back or you want to experience an amazing retreat that to reset everything and create a new vinyl record, um, would love to have some of your listeners or all of your listeners come where we have a few spots left uh, in Bali this May. Thank you so much. If people would like to reach out to you or slide into your DMs. Slide, slide in. Go ahead. <laughs> at, We're going to do that. At B-I-G-J-O-E. Big Joe. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, Christine. This was awesome. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it five stars and write a review. It helps my rankings, and I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend, it's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. Have a great day.